This episode was recorded live at the Sydney Pan Show on the 25th of August, 2019. You might hear some feedback on Sharon's mic, and we apologize for that. We've tried to keep it to a minimum, and I hope the rest of the episode makes up for it. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, scribblers and scribes. Here today, we're coming at you live. Thank you for joining us at the Sydney Pen Show today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we are the Nib Section official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Uh, this is the first time we've done a live show, uh, so anything that happens, we can bring it up to the magic of improv. Uh, there's there's no room for editing today. Uh, before we get into anything further, um, I'd like to do a welcome to country. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on uh, which we've gathered here today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and extend our welcome to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here with us today. Uh, always was, always will be Aboriginal original land. With that, I'd like to introduce our hosts. If you haven't listened to us before, we are the most regular appearing hosts. Uh, first up on the far end of the table, the triple bold iron grouch, Tav. Hey, hey. It's good to be here. Uh, next up, we have our fearless leader, Diana. Hey, hey. Uh, next up, our generous benefactor, Sharon. Hey, hey. Uh, we normally record from Sharon's lounge room, but I don't know, you, this isn't your lounge room. And it's a little bit more flash little bit. Uh, and uh, my name is Chuck. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you for coming to the Sydney Pen Show. Uh, I would like to give it up to all the volunteers and to Mike and Sophia for throwing it together. Good. That's going to record really well. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to sh- start this section with uh, what we are writing with today. Uh, and let's go from the, the tail end of the table. Tev. Tail end, really? Is this what you're calling it? Which is the head and the tail? I don't know. Oh, okay, okay, fine, fine, whatever. Uh, my uh, pen for today is uh, Noodler's Neponset uh, in sort of a greenish and red rippled ebonite. Not such a huge fan of the colour, but the, uh, the nib is a, a, a flex nib. Uh, for those of you who follow the... Uh, those, those, Yeah, those of you who follow the podcast know they usually don't like flex nibs but maybe maybe i'll get into why later uh, it's a, it's actually a stub music nib with a, a modified uh sort of flex characteristics so it's it's very very bendy and it's inked with pelican blue black uh, an old standby for you as you've been saying oh, yeah. yeah yeah big favorite uh, of mine diana what are you writing with today <laughs> i think you should leave me for last all right, all right we'll, we'll circle back to diana for today um Sharon, what are you writing with? Uh, so I'm writing with an old favourite as well. And if those of you who have listened to the podcast before know that it's a common recommendation of ours to have a Kakuno. You should get four. You should get four of them. Um, I actually have a special one-of-a-kind anniversary... I'm just BSing here, but it is an Urushi Kukuno that um, friend of the pod and sometimes co-host uh, Brian Saputro Urushi'd for me. He's, he's around there nah, somewhere. he's gone. Oh, he's gone? He didn't want to see me like embarrass him with his Kukuno. It's pretty awesome. And I think I've just got pilot black in it. It's all good old solid black. Sure. Um, I have uh, last year... 
there was not as strong a retailer presence as there was this year. There's a lot, a lot more retailers here. Uh, but last year, I remember walking around the show and being like, there's a great amount of stuff. There isn't any pen that's caught my eye. I will buy something today. So I hopped online and I bought a pen on the day. Uh, this, this is kind of my, my de facto pen show pen. And it's an Aurora uh, Optima in the yellow resin. Uh, and it actually has last year's pen show ink in it, uh, which is a lavender kind of, uh, it's like a dusky kind of lavender. Uh, th- there's a lot of um, thought that went into this pairing. It has sentimental value as well. Yes, yes. Uh, it's my first Optima. Uh, it is, I have not been kind to it. I have taken better care of other pens. Uh, but it is the one I brought today. It is the most fitting. Which brings us to Diana. <sighs> now, for those of you that have seen us before, we've been over in the corner. And there have been a number of fountain pens available at the corner that Sharon and Di have been selling. Diana has taken an interesting choice to write with on the podcast today. She could use no other. I blame this on Sharon. What happened is I was going to go over there to our table and pick up my brand new Mont Blanc homage to Rudyard Kipling 1895 limited edition, which I only picked up from the Mont Blanc store last, oh, it was Friday night. But I was completely impeded in the process of retrieving my pen because Sharon took it upon herself to lock her suitcase. So... Security first. Sure. Sharon was helping. Sure, sure. (laughs) And we wanted to see Old Faithful again. I told you that I was going to get that pen. I was going to retrieve it. And you locked your suitcase anyway. So I'm forced to... I'm getting thoroughly told off, guys. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's it's all Sharon's fault. So I was forced to resort to the only pen that I've been carrying around all day, which is my trusty ballpoint... It's a Parker Jotter. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's the it is the it is the, the Sydney Pen Show, not the not not specifically the Fountain Pen Show. So yeah, but yeah, but come on. So for the much reviled ballpoint, for all that everyone is knocking the ballpoints, I have been asked at least three times today to loan people my ballpoint. Glass houses, people. Glass houses. I should have I should have brought my uh, my gold plated bic. I have got, I've got one of those. We would have booed you off stage in that case. That's why I didn't bring it. Uh, so before we get into the actual topic, I just want to uh, give people a quick update. There are still going to be three workshops. There's a, there's a workshop going on right now. I don't know specifically what it is, but me telling you about that would not be super helpful. Uh, so the workshops that are happening after we finish recording, at 3 p.m. we have Susan Tyler teaching italics. Uh, she has a stall uh, up in the corner there. You might have seen some of her work. Great stuff. She was also here last year. Big fan. I know exactly what workshop is going on right now because it's this, uh, the Richard Briggs drawing workshop from two to four. And I know because I wanted to sign up for that workshop, but it's two hours and it's on the same time that we're recording. So sad it's, face. That's the urban sketching one, right? That's the one that's outside. That's the drawing one. Okay. And at 4 p.m., we have two different workshops. There is Ruben Tabato's uh, calligraphy workshop. Uh, and he, he's also got a very decorative kind of um, calligraphy that he likes using mixed. And if you're into uh, more of a nib repair and maintenance and uh, adjustment workshop, at 4 p.m., Tav is teaching the basics of tuning. Yeah, uh, I believe we're going to start from uh, F sharp and, you know, just move along. 
Um, He'll hand you a pair of pliers and you can just nip the top of your nib off. Yeah, absolutely. And that produces an oh, yeah. instant italic. In, in, instant italic, very yeah, sharp. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. I'll just get like a paper guillotine and just chop the nib off right at the breather hole. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, so all of us were here last year. Enough of the day has passed that I think we, we probably have some highlights um, we want to get into. Let, let me start with you, Dai. Dai, do you have any personal highlights for the show so far? So, I haven't spent a lot of time walking around to all the vendors. Lies, you've already shopped. I did my shopping before the show officially opened. So, I have bought a few stuff. And that, that seven to nine uh, stalls buying from other stalls time. The dark time of night when we were under caffeinated and no one had had any breakfast yet because nothing's open on a Sunday morning. Um, but what I did really want to have a look, good look at is Yakov Leaves Table because Yakov's all the way from Melbourne. He wasn't here last year. He's got three tables of pens, like stacked. Is it two tables? He's got at least two tables. Whatever it is, it's like too many tables. So many tables of pens. It's a dangerous table. Dangerous zone. That's the danger zone right there. It's very close to our table as well. But it's always completely full, which is why um, I haven't spent much time there. But maybe at the end of the day, I will go and have a look, have a sticky beak and see how much money I spend. What about you, Sharon? Highlights? Yeah, any highlights so far? Uh, so if anyone wanted to get a Midori dot grid book from the journals um, stand, sorry, I bought them all before the show even started. Um, I have no shame in saying that. And get here early next year. Get here early next Earlier year. Earlier than early. Yep. Yeah, weren't yep, weren't we here at like 7.30 or something like that? I was here at 7. Be a volunteer that arrives at 6. <laughs> so I brought... Um, my highlight was... One, having an actual um, table this year. So it was great to see everyone come to me rather than me come to them. Oh, last year we were milling about just doing laps. Last year I was front door. So I got to say hi to everyone. And by 10 a.m. I'd lost my voice because it was just a lot of hi. And I'm pretty sure I couldn't stop smiling the entire time. Still can't stop smiling today. Um, I just have more comfortable feet. I have a chair. Sorry, you look like you're about to continue. Oh, no, I was going to talk about pen show halls, but we can do that no, later. No, we'll, we'll circle around for the hall. Tev, what about your um, personal highlights for the show? Actually, speaking of pen show halls, my highlight is that I've been able to resist buying any pens today. I've actually, my pen count has actually decreased today because I had a few of them on sale and they seem to be going like hotcakes. So I'm very happy about that. My, my highlight is the fact that I haven't spent like $1,000. I've spent nothing. Yet. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 day, the day is young, I suppose, but still, let's hope I'll be tied up in the workshop too much to buy anything more. My, I was going to say, uh, if no one else mentioned it, which was, which was a foolish presumption of me, I was also going to say Yakov's table down in the corner. Is, there's, there's a lot of stuff there that you don't normally get to see, including a tiny little uh, baby Omastama, which is just the cutest little thing. I haven't bought it because... Is it yellow? It's not. It's not. Yeah, I, I, have, been, I have been hovering around, though. Um, I have gotten one of the uh, pen hoodies that uh, Mel from uh, Melbourne has uh, made for the show. Last year's were purple. Uh, this year's are turquoise, teal. Aquamarine, Darling Harbour. And on that note, the, they match the ink that uh, Robert Oster has made for the show this year. 
as well. What was last year? What was purple last year? Lavender. Yeah, yeah, but like w- w- this year, this is the harbor. Last year, what was the purple? Lavender. <laughs> it's lavender. <laughs> no, the color was lavender and it was called lavender. Yep, yep, yep. My bad. I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Should have uh, done your homework, Chuck. Uh, so Tav kind of segued us into this. Uh, uh, sorry, before I mention that. Um, the other highlight for me, because Yakov was mentioned, is uh, the superior labor stuff that is in the corner there. Just, uh, I'm not sure what the name of the stall Josie, is they gave Josie me. Josie Strine & Co. Josie Strine & Co. Um, I I've love been pronouncing it String & Co. String? Strine? String? String? Josie, help Josie. us out. Strine & I was right. Co. Strine & Co. <laughs> there we As go. As in like, Strine. Oh, yeah, I only speak Strine, mate. Josie has a, an amazing apron, but that's that's not the um, that's not the plug. Uh, the plug is that all of the superior labor leather stuff is really really good. I'm I'm a huge fan. I've got an A4 folio of theirs, uh, and I might be picking up a little um, a little pen pouch to carry my drawing implements. Uh, but that takes us to the pen show holes, which Tav segued us into. He managed to sell off stuff. Has anybody picked anything up, Sharon? Um. So my bad, uh, I'm, we're actually next to the Dimmick stall today and some, at some point during the day, uh, Dimmick's unloaded the new 2019 limited edition turquoise vanishing points. If you want to get one, I think they might have one left. Um, it was really dangerous for me. They came in more than just medium. They came in medium and fine. I picked up both. Um, I actually have one on the way from Larry Post. I just couldn't wait till tomorrow. Till till tomorrow. Till tomorrow, yeah. It's the it's the heat of the moment. You know, you want to buy a pen to commemorate the pen show, and what better pen to get than the turquoise, which is in theme for t- for this year, and um, it's twenty percent off at Dimmicks today. There's your free plug. I know, I know, I know all about uh, impulsive decisions in the heat of the moment that I might regret tomorrow. Uh, anybody else with a with a haul today? I bought two notebooks. Does two that notebooks. Count? I, it seems that Sharon is the far and away leader so far. I also bought two notebooks. I don't know if anyone is a great follower of Midori MD Cotton, but the news on Midori MD Cotton is that it's been discontinued in the A5 and I think the A4 sizes. So I was hoping that someone would have residual stock of the A5 Midori Cotton. Someone not Sharon. Sharon will sell me at a markup, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk after the show. Okay. But I was able to find over at Journals um, was the Midori MD cotton in an A5 size notepad. And I use that paper to write, you know, notes. I use it in when I post something that I'm selling. Blackmail notes. Bla- Mm, you, you don't. You don't I've want a paper that can be linked to you. I've never. Oh, that that's true. Yeah. I've never written a blackmail tra- note. The sure. traditional, the traditional paper of a blackmail note is yellow legal, uh, or cut up from uh, magazine headlines. Avoid Tomoe River. Avoid Midori MD. Nothing that indicates a discerning palate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tav. Oh well. Uh, uh, now that you've mentioned it, I feel like I should. Um, I should go and stock up on some Tomoe River, considering I don't own any, and it it's really not. Yeah, no, I don't. I, Are I you usually, kidding me? Yeah, I know. I only do use you Rodia. even fountain pen? Uh, no, clearly not. Uh, but apparently neither does Diana. 
I have plenty of Tamara River, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you're using your ballpoint on it. <laughs> this is all Sharon's fault, as I said. Yeah, okay, fine. I suppose in their, in their early days they were called ballpoint fountain pens. Uh, but yeah, no, I need to stock up on that because I don't have any. And it, it, you know, I suppose it's fun to write on. So True, true, true. For, for anybody that uh, has listened to the show before or, you know, even if you're only listening now, you may have noticed that uh, we're all wearing pins uh, and some people in the uh, audience and uh, a lot of the, the volunteers and stuff have pins and they're, uh, what they are is they're a, a little dog, uh, word, word on the street is it's a, a Maltese poodle cross, uh, don't ask me how I got that information. By the name of Lemon? Yep, yep. Uh, dipping their paw into a jar of ink, uh, it is our pin, the first merch we've ever made, we don't make t-shirts, we went straight into uh, enamel pins, uh, next, uh, next year uh, flute glasses maybe, uh, clogs, similarly wide-ranging merch. <laughs> Uh, but if you would like one, uh, they are for sale at our table. Um, you know, just wait till we're, we're done here. Uh, but yes, the lemon, uh, the nib section, uh, inky paw pins uh, will be for sale. Uh, which takes us to our topic for the day. And th- this was brought up in conversation. And it also came up with someone asking us questions for our, our anniversary. Because uh, we've been doing this podcast for a little over two years now. Um, and it was the ones that got away. So, uh, you know, your, your white whale, if you will. Um, any pens that you regret not buying when the opportunity arose? Uh, any that you let get away? And uh, any pens that you regret not buying a backup of in uh, the case of Sharon? This is a lot to do with uh, regret and, you know, may- maybe not having seized on the opportunity when, when you had. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start off with Tav. Well, I, uh, I recall browsing through, on, on, of all websites, Goulet Pens, the, the Omas cocktail range, and thinking, they look really nice. But it was very early in my pen-loving sort of addiction, and it was like, oh, that was too much. This is a subtle dig at Chuck, isn't it? Oh, not really, no. But I mean, I mean, okay. I hate that you have one, and well, I don't. No, no. You hate he that had you lost one. one. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want to. I didn't want to remind you. I'm sorry. We're just taking digs all around. But you, but you had one. But you had one. Okay. You I enjoyed, had. You, yeah, I had exactly. one. I mean, I suppose that is one that got away. Like it did literally get away. Mm. I'm sorry. Better I'm, to I'm, have I'm loved really and lost. See, yeah. Uh, Sydney. Sydney trains has it somewhere. Somewhere there is a very uh, underpaid, frustrated conductor that is taking very luxurious notes uh, that will never come back to me. I can just imagine like a ticket inspector comes and checks your ticket and you see that thing clipped in his pocket and that you're like, hang on. That would be soul crushing. <laughs> uh, but but uh, continue to have you in the middle um, of saying. Well, I would really have loved uh, the blue one. It was, it was a blue blue angel, I think it was called, or, or the turquoise one. They're just, they're such beautiful pens. And Sharon, fill us in with your cocktail yes, knowledge. Please. What cocktail knowledge? <laughs> well, you strike me as a cocktail expert. Oh, no, I just drink them straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. And also an Omas expert. No, I don't know about the, don't know about the Omas cocktail pens. Well, Omas expert is right over there. We can see Mr. Nick Gold, <laughs> who could probably tell us the correct... Blue Angel. Yeah, it and is the Blue Angel. A, it's been like confirmed. A, it was like a turquoise or aquamarine sort of colour. It's, well. good, it's good with audience participation. Yeah, it's te- the teal one, the aquamarine. I, I would have bought them all, to be honest. I wish I could have. Um, and also, the, speaking of cocktail ranges, the Sailor cocktail range as well. I keep sort of umming and eyeing about them. Yeah, yes, Ruben, thank you. Ruben, Ruben I is flashing his. I sense a theme. I sense a theme. What can I say? I like, I like a good cocktail. There's a new one that just got announced, the Angel Delight 
uh, which is a a purple purple situation. Um, mm. Oh well, I'll, I'll have I'll have a look. But uh, th- so th- those two, and then then also is the Omas Arco Verde. Anything in Omas Arco Verde, it's just something I'm I'm really sad that I missed out on. Would you consider an ASC in the Arco Verde? Uh, well, I don't have a spare like three thousand dollars, so no, unfortunately not. I mean, okay, if you're offering, I, I mean, I, I'd graciously accept, but... Um, I don't have one either. <laughs> oh. You also need a giant hand for those. No, speaking, it's a weapon of self-defense. Actually, some, it's a self-defense Yeah, speaking as, as someone that very recently got one, it's, it's really just like a write for half a page and then put it down. You know how I, I call the Homo sapiens, the Visconti Homo sapiens, logs? Yeah. Those are even more of a log. <laughs> They're batons. Giant sequoia log they're in. they're really an, an insensible for for a daily but if you want to make a big event of doing it you know if you're not doing enough uh light hand weight then you know you can fit it into your your routine um what about you sharon what what about your uh one that got away stories so not to make this the omas lovers club but we're left- reading our audience <laughs> well yeah we're, we're pandering to our audience here um about 11 years ago was the first time that I went to Singapore and I actually spent a good couple of weeks in Singapore. Every single day I would go down Orchard Road and I'd hit up a couple of pen stores, one of which was this pen store called Elephant and Coral and I don't recommend it, but at the time, I just don't recommend it. Long story, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it in another podcast episode. Um, But I walked by and they had a full anniversary set of Omas Celluloids. And it was for a bargain price, eight pens. I think it's eight pens in the set, right? Eight pens in the set and... Nick is nodding his head because he owns this. He owns this set. It's good having Nick in the audience because normally if we don't know, we just drop to our phones and this we can just... We can go... Wait for acknowledgement. (laughs) Yeah. So um, they had the limited edition of the eight celluloid pens and it was for a fantastic price that you would not be able to get today. And I walked past it every single day for about three weeks and... I didn't bite the bullet on it. And then when I came back, I realized how much they were worth because I decided to go and talk to other collectors. And I said, you know, hey, I saw this set in uh, Singapore, blah, 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 blah. And I happened to know the person who did pick up the set from, thanks to a tip from me. So, um, yeah, for me, that was the set that got away. So I'm going to start with Omas only to segue into other things. And the thing is, if you love... If you, if you like, uh, like a visually stunning pen, then a lot of the time you end up in uh, Italian pen territory. The difficulty with that is that in recent history, a lot of them have been folding. So if you're, if you're into uh, limited editions from a company that no longer exists, if you're a masochist, uh, then Italian pens are for you. On the note of my lost uh, vodka lemon, uh, which I replaced with two Auroras and still felt empty, uh, there's another pen company that you don't necessarily see a lot of. Like, they're not around anymore, and they're Italian. Correct, correct. Uh, I I have a huge love for Omas, but Omas has been well covered. So I want to talk about Delta, and um, they they favor one particular uh, bright orange. Uh, what what is it? Is a just an acrylic? The Dolce Vita. Yeah, the the Dolce Vita, usually with a black cap. Sometimes you can find the full body orange, which is the Oro. Both of those are over on Yakov's table. Uh, <laughs> and had I not recently uh, gotten a, a very interesting Delta, then I you know I, I I feel like I'm inoculated for at least 
that section. There are, there are still Omasas talking to me in that corner, not to hammer that point home too much. But I also, uh, on the note of Sailor uh, limited editions, there is a set that was still out when I started getting into fountain pens. I know uh, which set this from, is. From Kingdom Note. Uh, the Tales of Genji. They are the Tale of Genji Rielos. Uh, there is a yellow and red one. I don't know if you can tell, but th there's a theme going on here. It was available when I came in. It no longer is. It, like most of the Kingdom Note Tales of Genji, you have to have a friend who knows someone or who actually physically goes to the store, puts their name down, because they sell out in the span of the day of release. And none of my friends know anybody. They're all scumbags. So uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to get my hands on that, but uh, here, here's hoping uh, we have a, a decent listenership. If you find it, if you find it, please get it and hold on to it for like a couple months because my finances can't take the hit right now. <laughs> now we know why Chuck does the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. It's fun, it's fun, getting, it's fun getting messages uh, from other people overseas that are like, I saw this. Are you interested? Half the time, the answer is yes. And the other half is somebody already told me about this um, and I've already bought it. Uh, what about you, Diana? So I'm going to be really... Um, a bit of a sports sport, and um, I'm not going to no. say a pen at all. Um, You're not going to say a pen? No. Okay. So, I have I'll allow it, counsellor. Okay. Sure, if you allow it. Uh, Objection. <laughs> so, um, anyone who knows how I, my buying habits, if I see something I really like, and it's within my budget, I will buy it without regret. And if I don't have the budget, then... I will make myself not want the pen because I have, I think, a Buddhist uh, mentality when it comes to acquiring things. If I can't get it, then I won't make myself hanker for it any longer. I, it doesn't stay in the back of my mind. The only instance where something is still making me yearn for it years later is not in the case of a pen at all. It's in the case of a collection of inks which were discontinued before I even started using fountain pens. And you will have heard about these inks ad nauseum because I keep talking about them. They are the Karandash Colors of the Earth. I think they stopped producing them in 2004 or two, oh, 2014 or 2015. They were still available in shops in 2015 from memory. And they were replaced with a new collection, which is similar if you're not very particular about your greens and your blues. That's such shade that you're throwing right there. Oh, oh it's a shading ink? I didn't know that. <laughs> it is a shading ink. Oh, it it's also a sheening ink. Sure, sure, sure. It does all three does, S's. What's the other three? It does everything. <laughs> What's the other S? So hang on. Is the opposite of throwing shade throwing sheen? <laughs> I will What's, accept that, yes. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> Catching sheen, I think, just, maybe. I, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I actually came across, uh, when, like when I was first getting into fountain pens, and the, the entire complete range of those Colours of the Earth Karandash inks in an art shop. And I was like, oh, I'll just get the turquoise one. Because I didn't realise that they were extremely rare. But they had the whole range, like in huge amounts. And when I went home and realised that they were extremely rare, I came back and they were all gone. So I have over the course of the last four years, gradually managed to find bottles of all nine colours of the Karandash Colours of the Earth. But the colours that I really love, in particular 
um, Curran Dash Amazon, which is the very, very bright um, leaf green. It's like a deep, but somehow very bright green. It's not too yellow. It's not too blue. It's my absolutely perfect green. And it's, there is no dupe in existence for it. People will say that um, Caverco Palm Green is close, but it's not. Don't believe them, even when it's me telling you that. It depends on your definition of close. Like it's it's in the same ballpark, but it's not. Not the for same. me. It's, it's not, the same. It's not no, no. close enough. Yeah. So um, I have three bottles of Amazon. We're talking about very fine tolerances <laughs> here. I have three bottles of Amazon, and I wish I could find more so I can hoard all the bottles of Amazon I can find. So Diana's a notoriously hard person to shop for, and I remember one Christmas I ended up getting you a bottle of the Carandash Storm. I didn't have that colour yet, so yes, I knew. I knew you, there were a couple of colours you didn't have. Storm was one of them, and the other one was Saffron at the time you didn't have. You should save those Amazon bottles because there may not be an Amazon uh, bottom, oh, bottom no. line. Oh, no. Look, we don't get to edit on the live shows, so you get to edit. You can't edit audio. What are you talking about? It's not possible. <laughs> it's certainly beyond my capabilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you physically can't edit audio. It's just not possible. We don't have the technology yet. So, so the inverse of that um, is, are there any annoying marketing ploys for things that are trying to make you believe that this is the one that got away, where you, you have to get on board now or it'll never come back around? Um, not in your lifetime. It's a real Halley's Comet situation. Uh, Halley's? Halley's. Halley's, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why uh, is, you know, you, you see a lot of uh, hyperbole and uh, pens that claim to be the only pen you'll ever need, uh, which is... A, Always a lie. It's, a, it's also a, it's a ludicrous premise as well. Um, it is a, a, a Chris Bridges premise. Um, but are, are there any uh, annoying marketing ploys uh, and, and things that you're, you're not a huge fan of? I hate the term dream touch nib. That's a very specific <laughs> complaint. It's true. It's the, it's the fact that they're calling it a dream touch. Like, are you meant to touch it in your dreams? Is it going to be the touch of your dream? It, it says, it says it, there's like a little insert that's put under the clip of every Visconti pen with a dream touch nib. It's, don't press because this nib will follow your dreams. No, you're kidding me. Is that actually what it yes, says? That just makes me even madder. It says, don't press, this nib will follow your dreams. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't want to drill, drill in too hard on our, our podcast favorite uh, antagonist, but... <laughs> It appears that we've started. <laughs> we need like a theme, like a musical theme that we play whenever certain pen brands are mentioned. Da, da, da. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, my one is the uh, a lot of the Kickstarter kind of ultra minimalist uh, fountain pens that. That's what uh, I was gonna say. Yeah, they're, they're often like a machine titanium or like like heavy metals where where you know people get the the idea that because it's a nice pen it should feel significant in the hand. And there's only so much matte black and metallic that I can take, guys. It's I, n all of those, and they're like, this is the last thing you'll ever need, last thing you'll ever need. And this is not just fountain pens; it extends to, like, all kinds of tactical, uh, tactical pens. Um, I don't know why your masculinity is so fragile that you need to militarize your writing, but here we are. We're at uh, we're at this uh, this pen might take a bullet for you. You're um, not into the stealth. I'm not. I'm not super into it. Um, mainly because yellow is not a very stealth color, <laughs> but they, they don't. Um, they're not often telling you that this is the this is the right choice for many reasons. It's they're usually banking on durability, and I. <laughs> I don't necessarily abuse my things to the level of needing them to be bulletproof. Well, that Aurora would say otherwise. 
There's a big old crack in the cap of this Aurora uh, because hospital work is not delicate. And it's you mean, got... You know, if you had one of those tactical pens, that wouldn't have happened. No, no. God, and no. besides, if you ever get a patient that's like, you know, being particularly, you know, recalcitrant, you could just, you know, take the gigantic titanium rod pen out of your pocket and, you know... Anesthetize. Well, here's, here's the thing. I'm not an orthosurgeon, so I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to take that level of a severity to, to people's limbs. Yeah, it's like one of those little um, things you keep on your keychain. The little like metal rods you keep on your keychain as a self-defense thing. What are you keeping on your keychain, man? Uh, I've seen these these things they sell. You've that are seen. To be you've used. seen. Guys, check out his keychain after this. This is this is all I've got, man. Actually, all <laughs> I've got is a is a face shield. You know, one of those CPR face shields. That's all I've got on my keychain. But uh, no, I used to have a martial arts instructor who, who kept this big titanium rod on his keychain for some reason. And I'm thinking, if you're a martial arts master, why do you need a stick? Like, like it's, it's not even a big Tell one. Tell that it's to like, Daredevil. It's like, yeah, okay, but he wasn't even blind. Look, I don't want to say his name. Like Daredevil. I don't, I don't want to. I'm trying to keep this PG, yeah. but just imagine this martial arts instructor sticking that keychain uh, in his pocket. Yeah, you don't, yeah if you're under 18, don't, don't watch Daredevil. It's 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 got too much tomato sauce. So so we this it's hard doing this live. This is uh, escalated fast because because normally we edit and it's still we edit so it's much. still a mature po- podcast. But we kind of have to we we yeah. have to well, keep these. Right. I haven't really sworn yet. Thing. I haven't sworn yet. So I'm really happy. You haven't yet. I, I don't think any of us have. I think we're we're still. I think we get one. No, uh, we don't get any of them. No, okay. Not today. Uh. Not today. Sophia's going, no. Just, yeah, Sophia, can you just go around and check? Are there any children in the room? And then we'll we'll drop our one F bomb. No, there's there's still some. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. The four four letter F word, flex. (laughs) It promises to deliver. For the the listeners of the podcast, (laughs) I wish I could imprint upon you the, the eyebrow raising that came with that. Um, but that, that does take us. That does take us to, to you, Tav. What's what's your what's your annoying marketing ploy? Well, actually, well, that flex is one of them. Um, but usually, because they're not that flexible. Even so even Mont Blanc has, has recently succumbed. Oh, I know. Uh, that, it's called a, a calligraphy nib. The Mont Blanc it's, calligraphy it's, nib. It's like barely even mushy. Really, it's just it bends a bit if you press hard. It's not something special. But it's 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 things like. Um, trying to make things unique about the pen and because it's unique it's the only pen you'll ever need you know the the Visconti uh, Q sound effect um, dun, the, dun, the dun. chromium 18 nib and I've even seen some shops trying to market it as pure chromium uh, no I'm sorry no your nib's not made out of chromium it's steel stainless steel or they'll say something like um, made out of harmonic steel the nib is harmonic steel why do you need that? Or pens that are made out of like um, medical grade stainless steel. Again, what if you're okay? I suppose maybe Chuck. If you accident, if you're in the OR and you accidentally leave it in a patient, that's fine. He well, ain't a yeah. Surgeon. If, if you if you leave it, I, I'm definitely not. Um, like you know, you know how you've seen the, the, those those documentaries about the doctors have accidentally left like their mobile phone inside a a, a surgery patient. Yeah, you don't need to be a surgeon to leave something inside someone. But <laughs> hey, PG. I haven't specified anything. PG. I haven't specified anything. Yeah, yeah, mm, okay, fine. Can yeah. we edit this out? Yes. You can't edit audio. Um, but things like unique nib shapes, unique nib materials that aren't actually that unique. Chuck has been warned. 
Strike one. There's, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a bit of a, a look from this side of the... Of the I'm going to just look at Tav. Um, this, this takes us to Diana, I think. You took mine. I took yours. You took mine. There's, there's no others? There is no other no, gripes. No, I'm not very susceptible to like weird marketing ploys, but it drives me up the wall when you have like five dozen Kickstarters with pens that look exactly the same and they all look like Nakayas. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, or they look like Namisus, which already exists. So buy a Namisu. Namisus also look like Nakayas. So they took the same body design, just proving nothing originals under the sun, and they just make it in a cheaper material, usually aluminium, stainless steel, or even brass. Um, but there's no innovation. There's you know nothing particularly unique about it when yeah, there's yeah. five Kickstarters that do the exact same thing. Um, and they don't even bother putting an interesting nib in it. It's just a regular whatever. Is it a Yovo or a Bach or, you know, it, it, if you're lucky. It might be an Iridium yeah. point. If, yeah, so yeah. But not the, actually uh, Germany. On, on that note, um, with the whole like kind of minimalist design thing, minimalist design is great to differentiate your, yourself from the pack when there's a lot happening. But if everyone's minimalist on the same page doing the same projects, then it all looks quite bland. There are a lot of uh, Kickstarters that seem to act like they've revolutionized writing by, you know, they're like, oh, this, this Kickstarter is bringing back fountain pens. Well, no, they never left. You're Sorry. a little behind the curve there. Yeah, like, or, or they, 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 they seem to think that they're like reintroducing fountain pens, you know, something that was an ancient writing instrument from the early 1900s has been untouched until now. And you're like, no, they're still here. They never left. Okay. Um, well, this will take us to uh, our audience uh, question uh, part of the, uh, of the podcast. Uh, and this is where uh, we'd like you to tell us your name, uh, where you're from, and what you're writing with today. Maybe it's a purchase you made today. Maybe it's your favorite. Um, you know, you can just uh, pitch us a, a question for the panel, um, and we'd, we'd love to hear from you. I've got one from Ada, but I can't specifically... Well, I can't read that. You can tell that Ada's a doctor. She is a doctor. Yeah, you can tell that Ada's a doctor. Um, (laughs) She's actually a lawyer. She's both, isn't isn't, it? Yeah. Best of both worlds. Okay. Yeah, does does the writing like cancel each other out or does it increase the messiness? I'm I'm, I'm not familiar. I I can tell you that this is a a difficult deciphering. Um, So we've been given a question as well as an accent to do this in. So how how am I going to start this? Um, This is going to be bad, guys. This is going to be bad. This is not one of my good ones. Uh, do it in one of your good ones then. Forget what she said. Do it, do it in one of my good ones. What accent was it requested in? Uh, Bogan. I was, I was requested a Bogan accent, uh, which, no. No, I'm, I'm not going to. can do that. Oh, sorry. Tav can do that. Tav can make a good what attempt at it. What do I need? How do you... Ooh. Uh, accent. What is it? Bog- oh, right. A Bogan okay. accent. Can yeah, you read nah, this in a Bogan accent? No ac- <laughs> yeah, nah. Okay, I got to read this first. Hang on, how, how do you? It's a doctor's handwriting, so we're we're really struggling. See, here. this is better than doctor's handwriting. I think law has actually improved it. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Um, how do you start a successful podcast? And are there any other startup um, non-pen podcasts you'd recommend? That was like upper middle bogan. It yeah, wasn't it was. Quite, it wasn't. That was very Kath and Kim. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can do it worse, but I. Uh, you got real. Yeah, you you went you real really, nasal. That, you that was worse? a good. You, you really want it worse than that? Because no, it's a good technique. Good read. I don't. Yeah, I, there's no shower nearby. I need to. Shower so I'll read that, that again read. for our international listeners who won't be able to understand what Tab just said. Uh, Ada asked us, "How do you start a successful podcast? And are there any other startup non-pen podcasts that you would recommend?" I assume that says recommend and not rewind. Yes. Recommend. Same, same. Reading, reading doctor's handwriting is contextual um, and, and, and a lot of it is intuitive. How do we start a success? <laughs> are we hella finer? Someone, some, <laughs> are we successful? Some of us have, okay. have done more work than others putting the podcast together. Um, what, what, would you, what would you say was key to, to this podcast? A fearless leader. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know um, how would you rate a podcast successfulness. I think we're successful because we have really engaged listeners who take the trouble to give us feedback, um, who give us really passionate reviews, and people can recognize our voices off the street, which is the most bizarre and exciting experience when it happens. It's odd. (laughs) I, I, I like to define a successful podcast as one that can read an ad for a Lisa mattress, uh, which we haven't done yet. Uh, so we're not successful no, no, no. yet. I'll do Koala. I'll do Ecoza. Eva Mattress recently sent me an invite to review their mattress. Maybe if I ask for payment on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, you want free promo you, on you, a you podcast? Can, you can let them know that should you want to advertise your mattress uh, on a podcast that is likely to put people to sleep, there's good synergy here. Um, <laughs> Then, then we can we can talk. So, um, if you ask me, what we try to do to make it a good podcast and to make it successful, you have to think about what you enjoy talking about, and also what your audience want to listen to. And if you can find some happy medium where those two things meet, then that's where your point of success will lie. And there is no such thing as, you know. Um, getting it perfect right perfect the first time go um yeah our, some of our early episodes are real rough you don't oh want to gosh. listen to them again i wouldn't recommend yeah, yeah, yeah. it but no uh, the feedback that we have and i i've gone on reddit and fountain pen fp geeks as of late and just don't ask and, and every single time someone mentions the nib section it's followed by oh my god their audio is terrible and like admittedly in the early days our audio wasn't great we used to record in a room that had a fan in it and that was my f- excellent idea it was before I moved sorry guys I take the cop on that well, one yeah like if we keep it to like later than episode 30 25 then, then that feedback uh, won't be an issue um, but I, I, I do think that a, a lot of it comes with like a uh, you know, like they say, write what you know. The same thing for for podcasting. The more the more you know about something, the more that you have a sincere feeling about it. You're going to be able to communicate that, and people are going to be able to connect with it. Um, whereas if you're trying to capitalize on something that you don't necessarily know a huge amount or care about, you're not going to know how your audience feels, and you're not going to. Don't know. assume your personality is going to win you the audience that you want um, most people aren't as interesting as they think they are make, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do some do some scripting work make a product and don't just be like so it's going to be like me and my three friends and we're just going to talk crap around the microphone and it's going to be really good people at the pub like hearing us it's not going to work <laughs> not not in 2019 maybe in like 2014 but yeah it's uh, you, you really need to Put, put some stuff together and, and for that um, I'm really grateful for the team that we have for the nib section uh, and, and the time that everyone takes to uh, put together so fun thing you may not know about Chuck is I did not know Ch- Chuck at all before we started doing this podcast 
Um, I put a feeler out on Fountain Pens Oceania. I asked for someone with podcasting experience, and he was the only one who had done any sort of a podcast before. And I think that was only one episode. <laughs> I have I have done a couple other podcasts since then. This is a much more this is a better thing on my resume now. Uh, having, because you've lasted this long. Well, because we've done more than fifty <laughs> episodes. Uh, do, do we have any other podcasts that w- that we like that aren't pen related? I think we we kind of may have touched on this in the last episode, but do any stand out apart from that? So podcasting. How long have you guys been listening to podcasts? Uh, I would say. Maybe 2015, 2014. I used to listen to the Cracked podcast, which is very well put together and uh, significantly more interesting than it initially looks. So podcasting, I think, came into existence about 10 years ago. And in the early days, it was like the Wild West. Anything goes. It was um, mostly people doing things out of their backyards. But nowadays, it's much more corporatized. Um, It's mainly production companies who put out these podcasts. And they find ways to monetize them. I have done scripting for said companies. And they often Ah. don't know a thing about what they're aiming at. They just know that they make a product that uh, sits in that area. What I'm saying is that it's right to call it a startup because it's much more difficult now to get started and to find listenership, especially when you don't have um, an, a known brand already. So most startups now, they uh, most new podcasts, they're trading off a production company, a, a personality, a celebrity, or it's a company that already has a presence, and so they know who their audience is. So um, it's, it's really tough, guys. Um, and I'm, so that's why I'm always really grateful for the fact that um, we have such dedicated listeners in Fountain Pen Oceania, because they really helped us start it, yeah. get started. It's, it's consistency as, as well. If you're just going to put out a podcast for like three months, uh, infrequently and you don't keep up to a schedule um, that's not going to keep you you know return followers it's just like uh, you know uh, a, a big thing that they say in um, in basketball and I don't want to dive too far into this because I don't know that much uh, but uh, yeah, most of my basketball kind of centers around Space Jam. Um, but they, they say uh, consistency uh, wins championships. And it doesn't matter if you have one blowout game, like if you have one really good podcast episode, if you're not consistently putting out decent level to good level material, then you're not going to you know, you're not going to have the audience or, or anything to, to get a foothold. Yeah, have a good have a good idea. Don't get lazy. Don't get complacent. Um, and be passionate. I'm so lazy. Be passionate about complacent. it. <laughs> and if you have an Give opinion, it's fine to share it on the internet. Even if you get really hateful comments afterwards about me being too... Sorry, did I say me? I mean, about us being too politically correct. Um, yes, that's you, Conan. <laughs> uh, I, I want to pitch it to anyone else. Is there anyone in the audience that uh, has a question for us? Uh, a reminder, when you come out, uh, you don't have to come out, I'll come to you. But... Uh, you, we want to hear your name, where you're from, what you're writing with, and a question. Anybody? Hands up. Hands up. Here's, here's what's going to happen is I know some of your names, and I'm going to come out to you anyway. And I'm going to come out, and you're going to deal with it. I'm going to pass the microphone to someone that normally is very comfortable about having a microphone in front of him. He uh, is. Uh, if you haven't got anything to say, just sing us Hooked on a Feeling or something. I don't know. Just sing us. Sing us, sing us, sing us a song, Ruben. Come on. The old you would have done it. Okay, hi. Yeah. I'm Ruben. Um, 
Where am I from? Sydney. Um, Ruben's a big fan of frosted Muji rollerballs. Which you have, I've greatly appreciated, by the way, you specifically tagging me in the Facebook page that was advertising the reintroduction of the Muji pens after they had been previously discontinued. So the first thing that I did was go out and I bought myself a handful of the Muji pens bef- just before they were discontinued and they started working on the new designs. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's... Yeah, what am I currently writing with? Um, actually, the most writing I've been doing is with my um, Sailor Cocktail Series. My Sailor Cocktail Series, um, Tequila Sunrise. Uh, I love this pen. It's just, it's very me because it's so luridly orange. And it's just, it's, it's, it's very conspicuous. <laughs> for, for those who don't know Ruben, he is lurid, orange, and very conspicuous. I do, well, I, I do wear very lurid, lurid clothing 90% of the time. Yeah, he I'm usually looks like, in, like, <laughs> what, like a, an NPC from Bioshock mm. Infinite or something like that. I, I do have very big steampunk energy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess my question is, because um, so, something that I get very preoccupied with is uh, that, that sort of, for, for, for newer people using fountain pens, there's this preconception that fountain pens are fancy pens uh, for people who already have very nice handwriting or are already quite, you know, cultured, what, whatever you will. Um, how would the, the, the pod um, best encourage a newbie who's possibly a bit intimidated by collecting fountain pens in, I guess, addressing that preconception or um, misconception even that fountain pens are purely for people who can already write in like Spencerian script or any other sort of very fancy handwriting business script. All right, thanks, Ruben. We've, um, does anyone want to uh, jump into that first? Uh, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got a bit of something to say, but I'll, I'll pitch it over to Tav first. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things is that uh, there's sort of a, a public conception that uh, nowadays pens are very cheap. You know, you, you pay 50 cents and you get a big ballpoint that'll last you, you know, months. But then, so that means people will, you know, gasp at the idea of spending even $10 on a fountain pen. So that... I don't know if there's much that can really be done about that stereotype, but if you, um, I think it's because of the how how conspicuous certain brands are, like Mont Blanc. Um, you know, if you see a Mont Blanc advertised, you think, yeah, you know, it's got Hugh Jackman, and it's very, you know, people in people in suits, and you look at the boutiques; they're very conspicuous pen shops. So, well, you're going to assume that fountain pens are ridiculously fancy and only for you know, extremely rich and extremely discerning snooty people. But um, what we, I suppose what we just have to do is, th- you know, think through things like this, this podcast and, and social media and stuff and uh, websites and even other, some, some websites like, you know, the clickbait websites, they, they're like, oh, you'll never guess what writing instrument is making a comeback. Yeah. My, my, my thing is that um, everything exists uh, at, at varying levels of fanciness, right? Like, uh, just because you're not good enough to drive, uh, you know, a Formula One car doesn't mean you're scared of all driving. Um, and Unless you're me. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, uh, just because you don't want to wear a Patek Philippe, you know, doesn't mean that you don't wear a watch. You know, so there's, there's things at various levels that should be able to uh, entertain you. But there's also, if you have the means or if you've particularly dived into uh, a hobby for, for a long period of time, then there's other things that are going to need to excite you. But that doesn't mean that 
those things, uh, that that hobby should be kept uh, from other people. So while I think that there is uh, an element of, uh, you know, a preconception about gatekeeping uh, with, with the fountain pen uh, hobby, I don't think it's necessarily intrinsic to that. I think it's present in like a lot of, a lot of things and, you know. So I think Lamy does a great service for the whole fountain pen community in the fact that Lamy safaris are completely ubiquitous. You find them everywhere. They're in mainstream stationery stores. They're in gift stores. They're relatively cheap. They're very, um, what's the word? They're very cheerful. They're colorful. They're accessible. They attract. There's a color for everyone. There's a color for everyone. They come in nice, fancy metallic ones, and they come in very bright pinks for, um, you know, little kids or ones who are little kids at heart. And they make fountain pens the way that fountain pens are in many countries in Europe, where they're for everybody. It's not just for people who want a $500 Mont Blanc. You can have something that's really accessible and is throw around. You can put it in your, you know, in your backpack. And um, events like this as well, it, I think, introduces people or reacquaints them with the idea that fountain pens come in all budgets, all styles, and yet they all write like a fountain pen. And as we all know, fountain pens are so much better than ballpoints. <laughs> no, not necessarily. There's no, a no, no. Ways. They're better than rollerballs. I don't know if you have the, the foundation uh, to, be, to be making that statement. <laughs> at, at so, so um, I don't know if you've seen what my handwriting looks like when I'm using a ballpoint. Um, but I have a theory that most people's handwriting is atrocious these days because they practice handwriting or they learnt how to write using a ballpoint and that means that they are pressing way too hard and they're like writing in really, really thick print. They're not doing the proper cursive style and I think that if more people practice handwriting with a fountain pen, they would have much nicer handwriting. Yeah. Let's 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 close off uh, th- that that one. Let's let's take another question from uh, the audience before we wrap up. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so, what uh, your name is, where you're from, uh, what you're writing with today, uh, and uh, your question for the panel. I love what you're wearing. I love the little pin that you're wearing. Thank you. Uh, my name is Peter. I'm from Canberra. Um, I'm writing with a platinum three seven seven six kampu that I bought. Uh, when I saw it on Instagram and then went immediately and bought it. So definitely thinking about it stra- straight ahead. But since I bought that pen, um, I've, I've got a soft medium nib on it. I'm wondering, and so I think of that as a flex pen, but I don't actually know if it is. So my question is, is the flex nib about trying to bring calligraphy nibs into fountain pens or is it something different? I think... I think uh, I, I'm not sure about trying to, to bring it, but I think uh, what's definitely brought a lot of people back to fountain pens is I can I can trace it back to there being a very popular video about uh, Jake Weidman, if I can recall correctly, who's like a master penman. A uh, TED talk. Yeah, His something talk. like that. And so there was uh, after that there was a lot of very close up. Uh, you know, uh, high quality footage of uh, people using dip nibs. Uh, and you would see, it was like very beautiful, um, but you would watch the time spread and it, it showed uh, a level of expressiveness to writing that uh, a lot of people uh, are not familiar with uh, lately. And I think that that desire from 
the populace is driving a lot of companies towards making nibs that can do this. But the nibs that did those are usually spring steel and they don't last very long in a pan. They, they last like three, three months maybe um, and they rust up. So it can't be, you know, too, uh, what they call a, like a noble metal like um, gold or something. They're designed to be disposable. Yeah, so that they get thrown away. And so a, a lot of companies are trying to create a level of softness. And you, you can probably find uh, some line variation with that soft medium, which is, uh, I believe, it's like a limited edition nib. It's only... It's now regular edition. So the soft medium used to only be available in Nakayas for a while because the soft fine was available in the Platinum 3776. They've now brought it in in their regular range so you can get a soft medium. But a lot of the softness um, in Japanese pens are actually due to the, um, the tactile style of writing that Japanese writing has. And so they use short strokes that um, have a certain expressiveness to it and a lot of their nibs come with a bit of a bounce. So it's not so much flex and it definitely wouldn't call it flex but they have um, that really nice tactile sensation. It's like you're riding on a leather leather pad or like a whole thick uh, wad of paper. It's to mimic um, brush-like strokes. Yeah, yeah. So while you can get some line variation out of that, you don't want to push too hard with that one. But they, uh, it, it is. Um, I've got a an elastic soft medium on uh, my Nakaya, and it's uh, so do you as well. Yeah, and uh, it, it's a really nice nib, but yeah, you don't want to push it too far. For that extreme kind of line variation that people see uh, is usually spring steel, and it's like disposable for like dip uh, dip nib holders. It, yeah. So it's not, not so much disposable. Please recycle it. Recycle that steel. Uh, so we might wrap up the episode uh, soon, but um, look, thank you guys for sitting with us. Uh, thank you for coming to the second uh, Sydney Pen Show. Um, it's been a blowout day. It's been really busy. Um, but that takes us to our recommendation section where we recommend something we like uh, that may or may not be fountain pen related. Uh, and this is what we're going to round out the pod with. Um, Tev? Well, um, I've got a music recommendation. Um, it's for people who like chilled, um, ambient sort of music. Uh, maybe a little bit hipster. It is on Spotify, though, so it's not that hipster. But they are, I believe... Icelandic, um, a post-rock. Where's Ruben when you need him? Yeah, yeah, I know. Ruben probably knows them and he would probably start jumping around, like literally jumping around if I mentioned them. But um, they're a post-rock group called um, Indie Halder. That's Y-N-D-I space H-A-L-D-A. And they just make this really wonderful music that's um, has, it's almost semi-orchestral, but it has rock elements. That's kind of what post-rock is. Um, they're great to listen to on long drives or while you're working or if you don't want music that's, that hypes you up. It's just really, really chill and it, it takes you on an emotional journey. So it's really lovely stuff. Sure. Um, what about you, Diana? Have you got something to recommend for us today? I do. Uh, I actually prepared um, today. I prepared a recommendation. I'm going to recommend um, a YouTube channel. And it's a particular series of videos. So uh, recently my partner was in New York uh, for I think a week long course and while he was in Manhattan he ate from so many good food carts that he basically did not even go to any of his restaurant reservations he said the food in New York food carts was the best food that he could get can, can in verify. New York yeah yeah you, you've been can, there can verify I want to go to New York so bad <laughs> and not just for the pen show 
I think there's something very unique about the food cart culture in New York. And certainly we don't have that sort of a culture in Sydney, um, maybe because police won't let anyone park on the side of the roads. Maybe we'll start getting some kiosks again once the monorail is um, back, is in operation down George Street. But um, there's nothing like that in Sydney. And so New York, I've managed to learn, has these really, really, they're almost um, stalwarts of um, food cart culture in New York who've been at the same corner for decades serving the same food to this, you know, this rotating um, group of people who work in offices and buildings and in construction crews. And if you enjoy hearing stories about really down-to-earth people and the working-class people that they serve, um, there's a great series of videos on YouTube called Food uh, Truck Icons from Munchies. And it's the stories of mainly immigrants who have come to America with nothing and they serve, they they work really, really hard. They get up like at midnight and they work until usually like 11 to provide this delicious food for people who have usually no other, there's no other stores open at that that time in the morning. And um, they make New York the amazing place that it is. Uh, So if you want to like watch people making delicious breakfast food and um, amazing like Pakistani curries and food that you can't get in restaurants. Um, go check out street food icons. Absolutely. Um, also, if you're if you're in New York, uh, don't necessarily be afraid of a place with uh, a B rating. Uh, there's a lot of really good places. Also, uh, if if anything happens to you, that's that's not on me. I ju- just don't necessarily be afraid of a place with a B rating. Um, have, have you got something, Sharon, to recommend? So uh, this is the reality check part <laughs> of the recommendations. Um, mine's a very mass market, and yes, you're welcome to slag on me for this. Uh, I've been doing a lot of travelling for work recently. I actually landed yesterday morning, um, just back from an overseas trip. And so I've had a lot of time on planes in the last couple of weeks, and um, I've had to have some de-stress uh, TV shows just to unwind to. And I've pretty much watched everything that's on Qantas Entertainment. But I've now realised that if you have a Stan subscription, you can actually download episodes for a 30-day period and watch it while you're overseas or on the plane. And uh, one of the things that I am sadly, or maybe not sadly, watching is uh, RuPaul's Drag Race from the <laughs> from the original um, season one. I'm up to season nine now. Is that, that the current season? No, it's season eleven. Is the current season? Okay. I've done seasons one to nine plus All Stars and All Stars two in the span of maybe the last two and a bit weeks. I, I like. It's just amazing. Do you watch Untucked? I do watch Untucked. It's amazing to see how the show has progressed and how what it's done to uh, drag culture and how it's made it so mainstream. And I can only experience it as an outsider. But I did know that yesterday they had the drag queens of comedy here in Sydney at the Roundhouse. Um, and I was a little bit bummed because I completely slept through that. And had I known that they were here, I would have gotten myself a ticket to go see them. But um, I highly recommend, if you don't have time to watch all 11 seasons and four seasons of Untucked, uh, no, sorry, 
what, eight seasons of Untucked or nine seasons of Untucked plus the All-Stars, can I recommend seasons four, All-Stars two, and then season six with Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> Don't go yes. into it with low energy. It's, it's not a show for, for quiet contemplation but or it's, viewing. But it was so good for every single flight because I'd be giggling the whole time. I'd be able to stay awake during the flights because the worst thing about flights for me is falling asleep. I feel like crap when I get off the... Sorry. Uh, I, I love watching comedies on planes. No one judges. Well, maybe they judge, but you don't have to look them in the eye afterwards. Yeah, exactly. That's Who where cares? you watch all of those like two-season NBC comedies that, that like don't make it for a huge run. Um, my, my recommendation is an event that is happening next week. Uh, it is a, another regular emceeing uh, joint for me, but it is called uh, Destructive Steps. Uh, it's a three-day uh, street dance festival. It is the 11th year. Uh, that it's been happening and it's gone from literally a six-hour event in the back of a dance studio to a three-day festival uh, in Darling Quarter this year. Um, and it's pretty much the best street dancers in Australia. Uh, I have emceed it since the third year. Uh, it is the 11th year this year. They try to get me in as a Skype MC one, one year. There's, there's a lot of problems with that idea. Um, but it, it's... Uh, honestly, one of the best uh, events that uh, I've I've had. It's it's a great event if you're if you're really into um, pe people that very sincerely uh, love art and uh, music and dancing. It's a great culture. Friday is a prelims day slash um, uh, a lot of the one on ones happen on that day. Saturday is our big day uh, where we have uh, international guests, international showcases. Uh, you know the best uh, of Australia versus the best of usually the Oceania region but sometimes further we, we have a contingent from New Caledonia that come every year that are great uh, and the last day which for the adults is the recovery day uh, for the Saturday night events um, but Sunday for the under 18s uh, is the kids day which is great uh, and it's, it's really amazing to see uh, how uh, the talent has grown in Australia. There's a lot of very good young dancers. There's 14-year-olds uh, that not only dance better than I did at 14, but uh, than I do now. Uh, so, Destructive Steps 11. Where do you buy tickets for that? Uh, good question. Uh, uh, tell you what, uh, in, the, in, the, in the podcast notes... Uh, it's going to be too late. Uh, this comes out... If I'm lazy on Saturday. Okay, uh, Diana, do you want to stall for me for for one minute? <laughs> so, Chuck, as he says, has been emceeing this event for how many years now? Eight years. Uh, yeah, eight years. Uh, yeah. So that's his real passion. His real passion started out in street dancing and in music, live music. So he's only been in this podcast hobby for like the last two years, really sincerely. But um, I think if you've seen his collection, he's, he's in deep now. <laughs> yeah, because I got into fountain pens at 28 when I had disposable income, which is not ideal. Uh, you, you want like a kind of more linear progression than the summiting. It's also I've the been... same year that you acquired like a dog child. Uh, I did, I did. A dog baby. Uh, uh, yeah, who's, who's this one? Um, here, her, her name's Lemon. She is the light of my life. And... Uh, okay, so uh, stalling aside, DestructiveSteps.com. I should have been able to predict that one. Um, 
DestructiveSteps.com. There are uh, tickets available. Uh, they have a they have a very uh, nice color scheme as well. Uh, I'm sure you can you can see. Uh, Did you I have any influence on that? No, I had nothing to it's do with this one. Very yellow, it's, it's, uh, and yeah. it's like a nice, warm, almost orangey yellow too. Uh, but these these are genuinely some of the best dancers in the world. Not just uh, not just locally, but they fly judges and battle guests out here. Uh, you know, and it's it's amazing. It really is amazing, even for someone that's been in the dance community for as long as I have, and is sick of seeing the same faces. It's still very, very entertaining, uh, and so that's my recommendation. Uh, well. That takes us to the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for coming to the Sydney Penn Show. Um, you made it. You made it really great. There could have been a whole bunch of uh, empty seats and me haranguing passersby, but you all sat down. Thank you for participating. Even if you're only sitting because you're really tired at the end of the day <laughs> and you just needed somewhere to park yourself, it's fine. We appreciate, we appreciate you sitting it's there. It's fine. It's an audio medium. Nobody is going to see you. Uh, well, uh, thank you, Tav, for joining us. Thanks for having me again, guys. A reminder, Tav has a workshop at four, which is the basics of nib tuning. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Diana, once again. Thank you, Chuck, for bringing me breakfast this morning, even though it ended up being lunch. Yeah, I brought, I brought uh, brunch and coffee. Uh, Sharon, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And thanks for coffee this morning. Yes, yes. Uh, and until next time, listeners, uh, my name is Chuck and uh, ink well. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. If you want to share your thoughts, suggestions, or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at thenibsection at gmail.com and you can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. At them at the nib section don't at me uh the nib section is the official podcast of fountain pens oceania our producers this episode were chucks montano sharon zah diana die special thanks to mark hobson sophia lay and sydney pen show for making this live episode possible recording and editing was done by diana die our music was composed by michael pierce our logo was designed by will h smith with artwork by melissa graf thanks for listening go go buy pins wow.